here I am. This is the body like no other that has shaped my life, that my life has shaped. I live here, my soul's address. Who here finds an exercise like the one Barbara Brown, Brown Taylor prescribes to be a bit frightening? <laughs> yes. Good, we're not alone. You know, as I read and reread this passage over the past week, the ninth step found in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous kept coming into my mind. This is the amends step, step where we go out and do our best to repair some of the wreckage, to say, I am sorry. I've done this step several times, and I continue to the best of my ability to make amends when I feel they are needed. Difficult as this sometimes is, it is also indescribably liberative. But let me tell you where I have most struggled. About eight years ago, I moved through the steps in a deeper way with a beautiful spiritual mentor I was working with. And when I got to the part where I made the list of people who I felt I had harmed in some way, people I was going to go out and make amends to, I showed it to her. She ran her finger down my list, nodding, mm-hmm, And when she got to the end, she said, you're missing someone. I took the list from her and went through it again. No, no one's missing, I said. This is everyone, I'm sure of it. She raised her eyebrows in a knowing way and tilted her head a bit like this and said, what about you? You're not on this list. Make amends to myself. Now I'm going to tell you right now, this was one of the hardest things I have ever done. Forgive myself. This will be a lifelong practice for me because I will always fall short. The lifelong practice is a daily prayer which I offer and ask to the great and wide universe to remind me that I am imperfectly enough. That I am whole and good and right even when I don't feel whole and good and right. And I'll tell you, having a trusted spiritual home has been such a balm, a place to belong so that we can do this kind of difficult healing work. And what a gift. What a privilege. It's a privilege, dear ones, to have a spiritual home where we get to practice this, right? Where we get to bring our weariest, 
sometimes loathing, regretful, anxious, apologizing, tattered selves and say, here I am. Can you still love me? Can you forgive me? Can you sing to me? Remind me that there is a river flowing through my soul telling me that I'm somebody even though I feel like I am nobody today. This is the power, the soul-saving power of a church body at its best, at its best. A spiritual body that teaches us how we can love ourselves, maybe even loves us when we don't know how to yet, and that loves us until we can, and then asks us to take that love out to a world starving for it, starving for it. It's a privilege. What of those whose bodies and identities, whose souls' addresses, whose somebodynesses can't find a place to call home? Whose setting at the welcome table is often forgotten, if even thought of at all? We are well aware that our current social and cultural climate does not affirm the wholeness of a transgender body. It just doesn't. We know that it renders these bodies invisible, wrong, dispensable, physically and spiritually homeless. And I'm sorry to say this isn't just out there, far away from our UU congregations and gathering spaces. I'm sorry to say. In 2018, a survey of trans UUs was conducted. Maybe some of you have come across it. The survey results showed that only 28% of trans UUs feel as though their current or most recent UU congregation is completely inclusive of them as trans people. Only 15% feel spiritually nourished and connected at their UU congregation. And 42% of trans UU people experience regular, regular trans-related marginalization in UU spaces. So it seems we have some work to do. And this starts by casting questions like, what, am I, what assumptions am I making about identity right now? Does it matter if I don't understand this? How can my love be bigger, bolder, wider, despite me not understanding. Martin Luther King Jr. had no interest in understanding everyone. 
even liking them. His interest was in loving them, no matter who they were, and despite this. Loving one another the way that God, and please translate that word for yourself, the way that God loves us, every one of us. I'll tell you that the most radical act of revolutionary justice I have ever been a part of is holding a young, utterly bereft trans man in my arms at the memorial service of his beloved, weeping and telling him that I loved him because there just aren't any other words. And it was enough. So today, most of you have already found that a name was paper clipped to the inside of your order of service. It took my breath away that during our silent candle lighting, many of you chose to put those names on this I would call altar. These names are one of the 37 that were read today during our remembrance ritual. And I would ask you to take this name with you when you leave. Find out who they were. Give them a place at your Thanksgiving table. Love them. Love them. God knows they need it. And God knows we need this too, right? We don't need to be perfect here, my friends. We don't need to be perfectly anything here. Spoiler alert, we never will be. Ever. Here we can work to do better. Love bigger and forgive ourselves and each other again and again and again. Here we can. And so I close by saying to you that I love you. I love you. Blessed be and amen.